the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Tonight, I'd like to ask you, what is your most valuable possession? What is the thing that you value most? You know, they, I remember asking myself this when I was coming up with fire escape plans in my head when I was a small child. You know, they should never do fire safety for small children that are highly anxious <laughs> because they'll spend their whole night lying awake in bed thinking, okay, if there's a fire, I'm going to jump out the window. I'm going to grab my stuffed animal first, and then I'm going to jump out the window. And as I grew older, I learned that the Sunday school answer to the question, what is your most valuable possession? The Sunday school answer, yeah, it's your Bible. That's, that's, that's it. There's another Sunday school A student. I, you don't get A's for Sunday school, but stars. You do get gold stars, I think. Yeah. The Bible, that was the right answer, right, to that question. Well, I, I discovered, you know, I was asking myself this recently, and I was remembering the day when my sister, I was with her, we had gone out to dinner, and she was um, nine months pregnant, and this was her fourth child, but all of her children had gone early, you know, gone late, excuse me. So we knew, you know, we knew we could do whatever we wanted. We knew we could go out to dinner. And, but there she was at 11 o'clock at night in her kitchen, and um, she said, Deborah, don't go home yet. The, the baby's coming. And she said, Okay. <laughs> She said, come with us to the hospital. And so I got to be there when my nephew was delivered. And I'll never forget the sight of that little vulnerable being, newly born, born, just, just come out, just, um, just barely existing in the world. And he was so fragile and yet also pretty, um, pretty Resilient, And the reason why I recognized this was because I saw the doctor moving him around, doing all these things with him, and I thought, don't do that to my nephew. You should not be doing that to my nephew. A similar experience occurred when my niece and newly made goddaughter, um, we were walking back from the baptism at my parents' church to their house, which is a couple hundred yards away. And I was, you know, carry, I had the privilege of carrying the baby. I was carrying the baby, carrying her from the church over to the house, down the steps, and my aunt is so wonderful, and we learned to love this quirk about her that we noticed at family gatherings. But she was literally walking around me like this. I'm carrying the baby. And she's, you know, trying to, she, would, she was walking in front of me down the stairs backwards. I kid you not. And so because of her own interesting personality and her value placed on safety, we dubbed her Captain Safety. We actually called her General Safety because there's another family member who's also really concerned with safety. She was General Safety, and then there was a lower-ranking officer who was Captain Safety. But what I loved about her concern was it showed us how much, she was my great aunt, but it showed us how much this baby meant to her. She was so concerned for the baby's safety that she was going to spot me as I carried her down the stairs. What is valuable to you? What is precious to you? Well, as much as that one thing could be seen to be valuable for you, that is how God looks at you, yourself. He, uh, that's the analogy. He looks at me with the same eyes that I looked at that newborn little baby boy, um, my nephew, 
except ramp it up exponentially so because he's God and he's infinite. And so anything I might feel that might be anything like him or like what he feels, it's just a fraction of what it is that he actually feels. And we hear about this preciousness, about how precious we are in his eyes, in this passage from Isaiah. Isaiah, we get to speak from, I get to speak from Isaiah once again. If you've been here consistently, I seem to have this opportunity a lot, but I don't get sick of it because Isaiah is speaking to, well, because it's the Bible and because Isaiah, not just because it's the Sunday school answer. Isaiah is speaking to a people who are in dire straits. Isaiah is first speaking to those Israelites who have gone into exile in Babylon. It cannot get any worse than it is for them. They are asking in the midst of their suffering and their great loss, they lost everything. And in the midst of that trial, they are asking, does God even see us? Does God know what we're going through? If he knows, does he even care? Because we're still going through it. Why is God not responding and rescuing us right now? Why is this happening to us? They find themselves in the midst of suffering. They find themselves in the midst of trouble and trial. And so Isaiah continues to speak a word to us today, wherever we might find ourselves. Perhaps we're in the midst of some kind of trouble that we didn't expect. Could be financial or vocational or relational or marital, or maybe things are going well, but we fear that maybe they won't always be going well, or maybe there's something going on within us that we just cannot shake, that um, moral slip-sliding, backsliding that we can't help but do, but we keep seeing ourselves do it despite ourselves, and we say, why do I do the thing that I hate? In the midst of that place of suffering and confusion and pain and um, frustration at our own selves, Isaiah and God through Isaiah is speaking uh, to us and saying, first of all, fear not. And then he tells us why not to fear. He gives us several reasons, even just in verse 4 of Isaiah 43 kind of like that song we just sang, 10,000 Reasons. He gives five reasons why not to fear. And he gives the reasons. He says, fear not. And then he says, for. For means why. Fear not. Don't fear because. Fear not. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's four right there. And they're all tied into God's very character. His character is tied into his name. His name is I am, the one who was and the one who is and the one who will be. The one who is characterized by steadfast love and faithfulness. God is I am, the Lord. He is your God. He's the God of the people of Israel and he's our God too. Within that designation, there's a sense of personal relationship of connection, of ownership and responsibility that comes from a kind of family relationship. He is our God. He is the Holy One of Israel. 
He is holy, and yet throughout the story of his relationship with humanity, he shows that his holiness is not too much for him to enter into relationship with us. He is holy, and yet he finds a way for unholy people to come into contact and relationship with him. And he is our Savior. And then he goes on to talk about why he's, how he's saved in the past. And that's reason number five. Why not to fear? I give Egypt as your ransom. That verb there is a perfect tense in Hebrew, which talks about a past event with present implications that should give confidence for the future. He's talking about the past. He's talking to the people of Israel about that time. Remember that time in Israel when, the, when Pharaoh had said that all of your sons should die. Remember that? They were under a sentence of death. God's reminding them of that time. But God ransomed his people and brought them out of Egypt, brought them out of slavery. And he did that. By taking that firstborn son from every household in Egypt in the place of those Israelite sons. He set them free. He gave other men as ransoms for his chosen ones. And that is why we also take hope. We are precious, as it says later on. We are precious. We are valued. We are honored in God's sight. And the reason why we are honored is because that ransom idea, it occurred in the past with the people of Israel, ransoming them out of slavery in Egypt. But then it occurred once and for all. That did not affect salvation from sins, but rather just salvation from slavery in Egypt, redemption for those people. But then he gave, remember that future tense to that verb, Verb. When he said this through Isaiah, he was looking ahead to the future when he would give his son, that son, Jesus Christ, at whose baptism he said to those gathered, this is my beloved son. Jesus is God's only son, fully human and fully divine. And God's good pleasure rested on him. He was perfect. He perfectly fulfilled the law. He is a lamb without spots. And that lamb was given, agreed to be given, wanted to be given for us, for our sins, so that we could be ransomed from sin and from death. And so those words that God says over Jesus Christ himself, that this is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased, those words of God's good pleasure, of God's um, value and worthiness and honor, that love that he has for his son, he also has for us. And he has that love for us perfectly um, because of Jesus Christ and because of his character and Jesus' righteousness and not because of anything we do. And the beauty of that is that nothing we do can take us from that love of God because of Jesus Christ. As we look to Jesus in faith, God then says of us as well, you are my beloved. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you, and you're worthy. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ, your only Son, your beloved One, to die for us and thereby to adopt us as your sons and daughters. And we say yes. We say yes to your love once again this evening. And so we ask this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen.